0: Hello, and welcome to the Student Ministry Conversations Podcast with your hosts, Russell Martin and Brent Aiken. This podcast is all about equipping, encouraging, and inspiring youth pastors weekly with topics that are brought to the table by youth pastors from all over the world. And now, here's your host for this week. Brent hey, and welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, we want to welcome you and invite you over to our website, studentministryconversations.org, where you can find all of our previous episodes, show notes, blog articles, and much more. Our goal is that you are inspired and encouraged by the things that you hear on this podcast, and that can equip you to be a better student pastor for the church that you're serving in. So today we have the privilege of sitting down with Shane Pruitt, and so Shane is the next National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board, but he does so much more than that and I'm going to let Shane uh tell us about himself a little bit more, family, what he's into, all that fun stuff. So Shane, the floor is yours, my friend.
1: Awesome, man. Hey, thanks, friend. It's great to be on and uh yeah, so National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board. What is what does that mean? It's just a a fancy title that means I get to help lead our ministries uh, to young adults, college students, and teenagers uh, across the nation. Um, we uh, are a network of about 50,000 churches. And um, yeah, I love it, man. I have the best job in the world. I really feel like that. Uh, of course, I love being in front of Gen Z and equipping them, mobilizing them. Uh, but really, our target group for our team is next gen Leaders. So that uh, college pastor, uh, the youth pastor, uh, the volunteer leaders. Really, we want to help encourage, empower, and influence the influencers of the next generation. Um, and so those are our heroes, man. Uh, our our really theme verse is Psalm 145.4, where it says, One generation shall declare the mighty acts of God to the next generation. And so we just want to be a part of that ancient work of God, that from generation to generation to generation, one generation has been faithful to point the next generation to the mighty acts of God. So you just fast forward and always say, hey, we don't start anything. We don't end anything. It's just our turn uh, in the ancient story of the kingdom of God. It's just our turn to be faithful so that Gen Z would raise up and point the generation after them to the mighty acts of God. Um, my primary ministry is my family. I have an awesome wife named Casey. I am a part of the club that married way, 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 way over their head. Uh, We've been married 18 years and we have six kids that are 16 and under. So that is a prayer request. Uh, Two of our uh, kiddos are our biological kids, which means they just carry my wife and I's DNA. And then we have four kiddos that are very much equally our kids and a part of our family um, that joined our family through adoption. Uh, So we have a son from Liberia, a son from Uganda, and a son and daughter uh, adopted from Texas. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Very, very cool. And so today we are talking about your new book, uh, Calling Out the Called. And obviously my first question is, what was the inspiration behind the book? Um, And why did you and Scott feel the need to write it?
1: Yeah, yeah, wrote the book with a, a really good friend of mine by the name of Scott Pace. Scott Pace is the uh, the dean at the college at Southeastern, and then does a lot of uh, uh, teaching um, at Southeastern Seminary uh, as a professor um, in a lot of the areas of uh, the preaching classes. So yeah, Scott and I, man, we just teamed up together with our good friends over at B and H Publishing, and wrote a book called "Calling Out the Called," which. Uh, as of this recording, releases in two weeks, but I got my author's copy here um, and that I'm holding. so so excited about. really, the inspiration behind the book, a 30,000 foot view, is that uh, statistically speaking, um, through the pandemic, you have more people leaving ministry than entering ministry. Um, and then even before the pandemic, the pandemic has made these statistics probably even, you know, more doom and gloom. But even before the pandemic, uh, there is currently more Protestant ministry leaders over the age of 65 than under the age of 40. And, and praise God for our older seasoned ministry leaders um, that have a lot of wisdom, um, have a lot of experience, um, but we don't have as many coming up under the age of 40. In fact, uh, Barna Research tells us less than 15% of all Protestant ministry leaders or under the age of 40, only less than 15%. So if we were like a baseball team, what we say, if we were like a baseball team, uh, we don't have much of a farm system coming up. So we got to be very intentional, high priority, that those of us that are currently ministry leaders are calling out and equipping and discipling the next generation of ministry leaders. So that's why we wrote this book, Calling Out the Called, Discipling Those Called to Ministry Leadership.
0: Well, and like you said, your main goal for this is not necessarily reaching out to students, but that is also kind of in the, in the way you kind of described at the farm league. And so obviously with student ministry, I want to tackle that side of it as well, but let's first off go into, uh, cause I think this could be a really interesting uh, direction to go for a second as well Uh, for the people that are in student ministry or are in college ministry right now that are looking at being a pastor down the road and i hate the term be a real pastor and every all student pastors joke about that but yeah. how do how do you work to equip or how do you work to prepare the ones that are already in ministry but they're on the verge of like man with how with the current world that we live in i don't really want to be a senior pastor because man, it's, it's crazy right now. I mean, I could, I could lose my job over something. I say I could, I could lose my, uh, I could lose my, I mean, literally my career Mm -hmm. off of saying the wrong words because everything's live streamed and everything like that. So how do you prepare uh, ones that are looking into it as a potential future option, but maybe are kind of on the fence?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. I would say, Hey, if you're in a ministry leadership, role or you're serving, you know, whether you're, um, you are a senior pastor or you are, for lack of a better term, support staff, you know, you're a worship pastor, you're a youth pastor, you're a college pastor, executive pastor, um, maybe you're a, a bivocational leader in your church, or maybe you're a volunteer ministry leader and you are faithfully, faithfully leading a discipleship group or a Sunday school class or a small group and you're content in that, and you're fulfilled in that, and you go, man, this is where God's got me, then I'm going to say, praise the Lord, do that, be all in, you know, Um, if you're a youth pastor that goes, you know what, I really believe that one day that God's calling me to be a lead pastor, or one day, um, you know, um, God's calling me to plant a church, um, then I'm gonna say, hey, that's great, the Lord's in control of all of that. So I want to say, Hey, be faithful where you're at, be all in where you're at. Um, I I don't think we do ourselves any favor and we don't do the ministry in any favors that we're currently in. If we're always kind of looking for what's next, you know what I mean? And I feel like sometimes that's probably one of the biggest mistakes we make is we're always kind of looking around like what's next, what's next, you know? Um, and, And I kind of joke a lot of times if I'm speaking at a conference uh, sometimes I'll have a leader come up to me and go, Hey, man, my ministry is going so good. We're reaching, you know, a ton of students, We're baptizing a ton of students. It's going so good. It's amazing. I'm like, man, praise the Lord. And they're like, Hey, but I, but I'm looking for other opportunities if you know of any. And I'm like, no, hey, if the Lord opens that door, praise the Lord, God's sovereign. I believe God's providential. Uh, nothing happens without his yes and amen. And that um, but hey, if God's got you where he's got you, he's got you there for a reason. So be all in, be faithful. And also want to encourage you too. like uh, you joked about it. You know, I hear it all the time, too. I think I've made a post about this last week is like, hey, I even tell people, hey, don't ask youth pastors or college pastors when they're going to be a real pastor. They already are. A real pastor. They're just serving in that role because that's what God sees fit. And it's an uber important role. Hey, when statistics tell us that 77% of all Christians surrender to Jesus as Lord and save their life before the age of 18, then our next-gen leaders are not primarily entertainers. They're not primarily, you know, organizers of the calendar. They are evangelists, missionaries, and disciple makers, and they're on the front lines of our evangelical efforts. So I want to say, hey, if you believe God's calling you, Um, to be a senior pastor, then praise the Lord. He'll work that out. He'll open those doors. You continue to grow and mature and walk deeply with the Lord and prepare yourself, Um, but be all in where you're at. Um, Somebody once told me this whenever I was 25, um, newly in ministry. I was a a new student pastor, just got married. Uh, All of those life changes were at one time, Uh, became a full-time student pastor uh, and got married all within the same year, you know? Um, and I remember we were in Israel. There was a couple in our church that gifted us with a trip to Israel, and we were in Israel. um, I saw a pastor walk in uh, who is a a well-known pastor. If I said his name, probably most of your listeners would know who he was. He walks through the uh, lobby, and especially at that time, Brent, like pastors for me were like athletes. I was like, oh, they're so-and-so, you know, like just kind of starstruck. My wife's like, he's just a man. And I'm like, Oh girl, you don't Pull get out it, your right?
0: baseball cards. Yeah. 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 I was like, I'm going to open my Bible card. for him to sign it you yeah. know, as weird as that is. <laughs> yeah. so, no, uh,
1: but he goes into the elevator and Brent, I t- I did the total creepy thing. I was the one that ran and like stuck my arm through the elevator before it could close, got in with him. And, uh, I remember I introduced myself and I said, Hey, my name's Shane Pruitt, 25 years old, full-time student pastor, newly married, uh, what advice would you give me? And, uh, Brown, never forget what he said. He goes, Hey, you said you're married. Uh, so pastor your family first. Um, if like, if you can't pastor your family, you can't pastor the family of God. Um, if, and if uh ministry becomes your mistress and you lose your family over it, then you'll lose your ministry too. So pastor your family. That's good. Yeah. And then the second thing he said was so good, man. And I've never forgotten it. It's written in my Bible. And I've shared it a thousand times over with other leaders. And he said this, and I thought this was such good advice. He said, you focus on the depth of your ministry and let the Lord take care of the width and platform of it. And I thought that was so good. What he meant by that is like, hey, just focus on walking intimately with Christ. Be faithful where you are. Dig in deep roots. And then let the Lord take care of the width and platform and where, where it goes from there. And so I just want to encourage all people to do that. And that's the same advice I give a 16-year-old. If a 16-year-old at camp or whatever says, hey, I feel God's calling me to ministry, um, what advice do you give me? I tell them that. You focus on the depth of your ministry. Let the Lord take care of the width and platform. Because the most important thing you can do for a teenager who feels called to ministry leadership is to really help them develop deep, good, consistent spiritual disciplines. Um, because I think that's even where we get in trouble sometimes is that we'll focus on their gifts and talents. And sometimes gifts and talents take people further than their character can sustain them. And I think that's how we get in problems today of people, moral failures, people burning out people, you know, even ministry leaders walking away from the faith is sometimes those gifts and talents put them on platforms and stages that their character and integrity wasn't ready for. So I just want to say, Hey, I want to encourage you, If you're listening, hey, you just focus on the depth of your ministry. Let the Lord take care of the within platform. Because I think our flesh gets it backwards. We always want to shoot for the platform, right? Like Brent, that's probably one of the number one questions I get from youth pastors sometimes, especially at a conference or a camp. They'll say, hey, how do I, you know, how do I get to preaching that camp? You know, this camp, how do I start speaking at conferences? How do I do this and do that? And I'm like, hey, if that's the Lord's desire, he'll open those doors. Just be faithful where you're at. The platform is not the goal walking deeply with Christ and being obedient is, you know.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. I would totally agree. Um and then the thing is is also with that is um I think the other thing that kind of goes hand in hand with that is you have to be um committed and you have to be dedicated with God, what God gives you um, before God's going to expand what he gives you. And that, Absolutely. I mean, that's a time tested thing throughout all the scripture. Yeah. So if you're a youth pastor of a group of 10 and you're like, man, I want my, I want to be in a church with like 150 students. Well, you better mm-hmm. be really diligent with those 10 first. Yeah. And so yeah, no that is, uh, yeah. you kind of already about touched- that,
1: Brent. in that same vein. I remember just even being in, being in Bible college, you know, there would always be, you know, other students that were like, well, I, you know, I know God's just called me to be a mega church pastor one day, you know, and, then, and, I, and I don't even think they know what they're talking about because even the headaches that come with that, you know, like that I, I speak in a lot of those churches now and friends with a lot of mega church pastors. And one thing that people don't understand is like, hey, um, guess what? You're going to be doing 16 services during Christmas Eve. You know what I mean? You're going to be doing 20 services during Easter. You're going to be doing this. Like people don't even realize what they're talking about sometimes and the headaches that come with that. Well, and not to
0: mention the the accountability of being in that role. Uh, Of course, yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen this, and I think there's been a lot that haven't taken it well. But if you've been following Church World at all and you're listening to this, you've obviously heard Matt Chandler stepping back for a little bit. And mm-hmm. that was one of those things that like he did everything right. Like, yes, yes he he might have fallen into a situation, but still the accountability that that man had to have and the constant eye that's on him. A lot of people want to be on the stage, but they don't want everything else that comes with it. Um, oh, no and bad. so that's something very, very important to think about. And I, like I said, I I've heard the whole. I'm going to be a mega church pastor thing too. And I, I'm, I'm not going to say that I, I haven't been guilty of maybe not a mega of church course. pastor, yeah, but maybe saying, sure. Hey, I want to be in a church bigger than me, mm-hmm. but it is one of those things. It's like, man, do I really want to <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, for there's, sure. there's a, I mean, there's, yeah. uh to steal a terrible Marvel reference with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, <laughs> that's great.
1: That's a great, yeah, great yeah. reference there so, I mean, Brent, in that same vein, you know, and, I don't want to chase rabbits, but I think it's relevant to what we're talking about, you know, with accountability, walking intimately with the Lord is, um, you know, not too long ago, I heard a counselor give a, a talk at a, a Christian leader conference. And uh, he was talking about accountability and he has uh, done counseling for over a hundred ministry leaders that had moral failures. Um, and he said there was a common theme in every single one of them. And he said, I bet you know what it, I bet you think it's accountability that none of them had accountability. And he goes, that wasn't it. He goes in every ministry leader I've talked to every single one of them had accountability pastors or accountability groups or accountability friends. He goes, the common theme in every single one of them was walking intimately with the Lord. They had gotten away from walking deeply with Christ, and ministry just turned into a job for them, or even Bible, the Bible just turned into a tool for writing sermons and books, instead of something that was, you know, bread for them to partake of every day. And so I thought that was interesting, because I was like, even in accountability, you got to have accountability, that's good, but if your heart is not right, you can work around those accountability walls or you can just yeah. flat out lie to your accountability partners. Yeah. Um, and he said, but the common theme in every single one of them is they got away from walking deeply with Christ and everything around them just became a job, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. So, no, th- I think that's super important. Right. And that goes hand in hand with the whole uh, calling out the youth pastors and the children's pastors and worship pastors that are already in, or maybe the volunteers that are just listening. And they're like, Hey, well, You know, I, I, I've been volunteering for a while, but I kind of feel like this is something that God's calling me to do. There's a lot to take into consideration as far as that. But then also, uh, like I said, we're, we are going to go towards the student side of it as well. And you've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but I want to make sure we don't have anything else to kind of throw towards this. Um, how do you go about challenging students to accept the call that they have on their life?
1: Yeah, I love that. I love this conversation, Brent, which is really the heart. Um, behind the book of like going, okay, calling out the next generation of ministry um, leaders. And so really the book and uh, the resources that um, we put together now, we've also put together a landing page called, and it's just calling com, which is already available. And that's really to equip the equippers. Um, and on that page are nine videos uh, that Scott and I do. And then uh, on a couple of them, we have a friend with us, uh, Catherine Renfro. Uh, to speak to um, the side of uh, girls and women being called to ministry leadership. Um, And so there's nine videos on there that's really to equip the equippers. And then each of those videos has a mentoring guide that goes along with it uh, to help you walk with young people who feel like calling to ministry leadership. Because Brent, what we found is sometimes like if you go to a camp or a conference and there's a special sermon or a time where there's a calling out the called, every time I do that, um, and I love to do it nearly at every event I do, is every single time I'll have a pastor or a college pastor or youth pastor go, hey, I just had 10 students surrender to ministry or five students surrender to ministry. I really don't know what to do with them. So this is a help to go, hey, here's what to do with them. It's also for the person that goes, hey, I just surrendered to a call of ministry in my life. So now what? What's next? And so these are to help with those next what. But yeah, if we go back and go, okay, well, why... Um, do we not see as many young people surrender to ministry as, as used to? Um, and I mean, that's a very real, um, very real thing. You know, uh, I speak in chapels at a lot of Christian universities. And uh, just in the past month, I've preached at two of them. And one has over 5000 students on campus, but only about 50 in their school of ministry. Uh, Another one has over 4,000 students on campus, and they only had 41 in their school ministry. So a lot of young people aren't going into ministry leadership anymore. And So the question is why? Well, I believe this. God hasn't stopped calling people. I think we've stopped asking people to consider if they're called. Like, I don't even think it's on their radar. Um, So we got to get back to doing that. I think this is one of those things where we have not because we ask not. Um, so one of the simplest ways we got to do it is back in our local churches, we start, got to start giving a regular invitation um, on a regular basis, whether it's Sunday mornings or in our Wednesday night student ministries to really have students consider is God calling them to ministry leadership. I mean, think about this. We will do it at youth camps. We'll do it at conferences. Um, but when's the last time? Um, that you've done it at your local church? When's the last time you've done it on the Wednesday night? So I believe this is one of those areas where almost we have not because we ask not. And then one thing, a practical thing I always encourage leaders to do too is to share your testimony of when God called you to ministry leadership. If you think about it, we're always sharing our testimony of how we came to know the Lord and started following Jesus, but we never share our testimonies of our calling to ministry. And so I wanna encourage people, hey, just talk it up, share your testimonies of when God called you to ministry, have other leaders share about how God called them the ministry leadership and have it ever in front of those students and let them hear that. And then I always ask this too, is like, what are some serving opportunities uh, in your ministry? And so I'll, I always say, consider what do you currently have adults doing that really teenagers can be doing? Now, I know the media thing is like, well, I don't wanna lose my adults. I'm, I'm always begging for more adult volunteers. And I'm like, hey, no, 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 just change their focus, change the paradigm. And so instead of having maybe John run the soundboard, hey, we're here's Sam, he's 15, he's really interested in that. So start having Sam run the soundboard, but John is teaching Sam how to do that. John is discipling him, that's that life on life. There's a common interest there, the soundboard. So now instead of having the adult do that, have a teenager do that and have that adult pouring into them. Because also i found that a lot of times, calling will reveal itself through serving opportunities. So, hey, have students serving, give them high positions of serving in your student ministry. Will they mess up? Yes. Uh, Will they run late? Probably. You know, will they uh, make mistakes? Yes. But that's what discipleship's all about. That's what maturing's all about. And often if you have students serving on a large scale, um, calling will reveal itself through serving because you'll have that student go, man, I love serving the body of Christ. I love serving this ministry. I love being a leader. I feel so fulfilled in that. And you go, well, hey, well, maybe God's calling you to, to do that with the rest of your life. Maybe God's asking, calling you to give your life away to being a leader in the church. Um, and then I think lastly, Brent, the, the reason that maybe we don't do it as much in the local church or see it happen is because um, I think, you know, today, which is a good thing, there's a, there's a, a high focus on the universal calling of ministry on all believers. And when I say universal, I don't mean universalism, that's heresy. But I'm talking about this universal calling of ministry you see on all believers, you know, where you see um, that, you know, as leaders we're called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Why are we to equip the saints for the work of ministry? Because I believe this, all saints are called to ministry. Um, even in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, where it says, uh, you know, we are a new creation in Christ, the oldest passed away, behold, the is come. And then verse 18 says, and he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. So when Paul writes that, he's not just writing that to the pastory elders of the church, he's writing that to the whole church. So the the teaching there is this, if you are a new creation, you are called to a ministry of reconciliation. So that means this, if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God, we are all called to ministry. We're all called to know Jesus, make Jesus known. And so that's where we have that language, right? Every member of missionary, every member of minister, and all of those things are true. And so you see that universal calling on all believers to know Jesus and make Jesus known, to love God, love people, make disciples. We're all called to that. And so I think we put a high focus on that, which is good, yes and amen, that's biblical. But one thing we've got away from is there's also another calling you see for believers in the Bible. And that's what I would call a unique calling on some. And that unique calling on some is towards ministry leadership, meaning that God's calling them to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And you'll see that teaching in Ephesians 11 and 12, where you see both, right? Where it says, and he gave some, to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, to what? Equip the saints for the work of ministry. So you see the saints being equipped for the work of ministry. That's a universal calling on all believers. But then God's called some, and that's where you have that list, some to be leaders whose job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So I want to say we got to do both. We got to call out every believer to go, hey, you're all called to know Jesus, make Jesus known. But then we also got to call out saying, hey, but some of you, God's calling uniquely to be ministry leaders whose job it will be is to raise up, mature, and be empowered to equip the other saints for the work of ministry. And so I want to submit that we got to get back to that calling too, because I think that's the one we've gotten away from on on a large scale in the church. Yeah
0: yeah that's that's really good um I wanted to go back a little bit to something you said and I think there's a lot of prevalence in this is a lot of times and I I my, I myself am guilty of this as well the whole bringing it into our uh weekly conversations with these students because another thing with the whole ch- like getting the call the ministry talk at church camp is I mean from my personal ministry um I we have we average 30 to 40 students on wednesdays um have 60 or 70 on the roster probably i would say on any given camp we might take 8 10 mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And so you're missing out on a solid three quarters of your ministry, at least. Great
1: word, Brent. Yeah. Um. Of course.
0: With not getting them the opportunity to go. And, s- and now, granted, some of the kids are like, "Yeah, I don't want to go to church camp because, like, I just come because my friends come." But mm-hmm. then there's others that can't come because their parents can't afford it, or of they can't come because they have jobs or anything else. Yeah. And so if we aren't doing those call to ministry opportunities in our youth ministries as well we're missing out on a large majority of the students that we're serving on a weekly basis. Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah. And, you know, and, and I think, you know, when we've talked about this before, you know, I've had pastors or college pastors or youth pastors go, Oh, well, I usually have those in one-on-one conversations, you know, so I'll see something, a student, Um, I see leadership there. I see a a love for the Lord, the church. So, you know, I'll take them to Starbucks and and have that conversation. Hey, if you consider maybe God's calling you ministry, and I'm like, yes, amen, do that. That's awesome. I love that. But sometimes I think also God is calling people to ministry leadership um, that we don't consider, Um, because I think sometimes, and I joke about it, but I think it's true. I mean, I was guilty of this too, is I think sometimes in our flesh a little bit, is we just only assume the students we like a lot are the ones called to ministry leadership. You know what I mean? And so God may be calling the student that drives us crazy to ministry leadership because I look back now that I've been in ministry 20 years as some of the guys and, and girls that are in full-time ministry are the ones I look back. And when they were teenagers in my student ministry, I would have never pick them out to be the ones to do that you know what I mean like they were the ones driving me crazy or they were the ones that we were out at youth camp at night with flashlights looking for because they snuck out of cabin you know what I mean but God had a plan for them that was bigger than my plan for them right and so I always say hey when you're doing yes have those individual one-on-one conversations but like what you're saying I love that if you will cast the net and I'm not saying every Wednesday night um, but maybe once a month or once a quarter, if you're casting that net largely, God may call some people to ministry leadership that you wouldn't consider, or maybe you would never have that one-on-one conversation yourself, um, but God reveals a calling just through the opportunity. Yeah.
0: No, I, I definitely agree. And the thing is, is I think another aspect of our um kind of picking out students that are called to ministry. Like you just said, I think another issue is kind of, it can kind of fall to pride. Um, I think a yeah. lot of us are like, well, I want to, I want to find the next Craig Groeschel, Matt yeah. Chandler. I want to find mm. the next, I mean, yeah. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily work like that. Like we're not called to pick the best. We're called to pick all of them that God has, has a call on their lives. Yeah. And so we definitely yeah. need to have that drive going Um, and And, and I think
1: that can even be, uh, for lack of a better term, a red flag that we got to disciple someone through, because if you do have that 16 year old that goes, Hey, well, uh, my dad, uh, yeah, my dad said, I'm going to be the next Matt Chandler. Well, that's a red flag, (laughs) you know, like, Hey, I think you're, I think you're entering this with the wrong mindset. So even that should be a discipleship opportunity because, you know, sometimes it's, uh, yeah, you know, I remember. Uh, I think there was a season, you know, especially in the prime of Billy Graham, where every grandmother prayed that her grandson would be the next Billy Graham, you know what I mean? And so, and so we're like, always, and I even joke like that. Yeah, we don't want grandma called leaders, we want God called leaders, you know, and so even helping them navigate that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Love that.
0: Sure. So kind of transitioning, What tell us, and this is kind of might be throwing you on the spot, but tell us a success story where you've seen this come to life with maybe a student that you've personal youth pastored, or maybe a student that you came into uh, just an interaction with that you followed up on. Or, I mean, for that instance, we're also talking about youth pastors and children's pastors. So tell us a success story of when you've seen this call to ministry come to life and they embraced it and took it on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I would love, I'll share two real quick. Uh, One is my own story, which, you know, I think sometimes I've also heard too, you know, from ministry leaders that go, oh, well, we're a small church or we're a small ministry. um, And so we really don't have the capability to really raise up leaders to ministry and to send them out or to even raise them up within. And I want to say, hey, every church has the ability to do that. If you have the Holy Spirit And you have the Bible and the gospel, you have the ability to do it, you know. So the church that I got saved in, the church that I got baptized in, the church I got called to ministry in, um, like on a good Sunday on Easter would run like 120 people, you know what I mean? And so like there's all kind of ministry leaders out there that were raised up, equipped. Um, in, in smaller churches or smaller youth ministries. Um, in fact, there's currently six of us in full time ministry today um, that are tied back to that small rural country church just because we had a pastor who would call out the call and equip and disciple those called to ministry leadership. So that was even my story. You know, I got saved at 21, they grew up in church. Um, And then um, I started spending a lot of time with the pastor. He started pouring into me um, and he goes, what are you going to do with your life? I said, hey, I don't know, Um, because whenever I was lost, I wasn't just lost spiritually. I was lost in life. I was bouncing from job to job, relationship to relationship. At that time, I was failing out of junior college. That's almost impossible, but I was doing it. And he said, hey, well, why don't you go to Bible college and at least learn the Bible until the Lord reveals to you what he's calling you to do? I didn't even know there was a Bible college. And so we visited one. I didn't see any math classes on the degree program, I was like, the Lord has spoken. This is what I'm supposed to do, all right? So I started attending Bible college, and I'd only been a Christian about six months, Brent. So I remember all these Bible college students doing what Bible college students do. They're debating Calvinism and Arminianism. I had no clue what they are talking about. I never even heard those terms before. I was still calling Psalms Palms, you know what I mean? I didn't know anything, Um, but I had some professors that started discipling me. So at Bible college, there's all these people going to school there to be in ministry, um, like I just had this past, uh, professor's disciple in me. this where I was disciple. uh, about two years in, I felt God calling me to ministry leadership. And for me, I felt it specifically towards the preaching, teaching ministry. So I remember going back home one weekend and telling my pastor, Hey, I believe God's calling me to ministry. And he said this, I knew this. I was just waiting for God to reveal it to you and for you to be obedient. And then the next part, he said, "Brent, I'll just be honest. Uh, it made me pee a little bit." <laughs> but he goes, "Hey, uh, well, if you're called to preach, you're up in six weeks. Um, small country rural church That's uh, where they awesome. would do yes Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday night prayer meetings. You know they do. And so, man, I remember I was scared to death." Uh, there was about 30 people there, I think 25 of them were friends and family, and I stumbled through Psalm 23, it took me about 13 minutes, and I think I said amen 82 times, Uh, not even with the exclamation point, with the question mark, looking for affirmation, I'd be like, the Lord is my shepherd, amen, and listen, it was terrible, man, it was awful, it was terrible, but I'm so thankful for the grace of God, and the grace of this pastor, to see a calling in my life, and give me opportunities to grow in the Lord mature in the Lord, disciple me, help me where I was making mistakes, help me to get better. And he would give me opportunities to actually exercise that calling. Um, and so I'm thankful for that. A small church pastor who called out the called, and discipled those called to ministry leadership. I am personally a result of that. And then I think of another young guy who actually um, we brought on at Nam, and he travels with me. Um, and, and I think this might be relevant to some leaders that maybe have a certain question um, that we'll discuss in a minute, is, is he um, was going uh, great, lover of Jesus, follower of Jesus. Uh, he was going to Texas A&M University, uh, just graduated, uh with a business degree and was about to go into law school he's from a very successful very wealthy family but um he started serving at our local church as a ministry just kind of a, as a resident over the summer just to serve in the student ministry over the summer and through those once again through those serving opportunities he felt the calling of god on his life and so he started telling us hey do you, man i see this in you do you see it yourself he's like i do and so now he has surrendered to a calling of ministry. And instead of going to law school, he's going to go to seminary. And then we actually, uh, I That's hired awesome. him at Nam. He's 22 and he travels with me. And so he goes, man, I feel called. And for him, he feels called more to that itinerant ministry. Um, and feel called maybe to be a youth pastor or a senior pastor, maybe in the itinerant ministry, you still kind of navigate that. And I go, hey, well, hey, yes, go to seminary, but also travel with me. Learn behind the scenes. We'll, you know, we'll have a lot of conversations on the airport and traveling in the truck and learn on the field. Um, and I remember, Brent, and this is another question I get a lot of times from youth pastors or college pastors. Hey, um, you know, what do you do when a student surrenders to a call of ministry and they go home and tell their parents? but their parents had other dreams for them and other plans for them. How do you navigate that? And I remember Evan, yeah, going back. And his parents were all set on him going to to be a lawyer. And uh, he says, no, I think God's calling me to be a pastor or calling me to ministry leadership. And uh, yeah, he had to kind of almost, in a sense, walk his parents through that. And I had to help with that. And now they support him. Now they're excited, they're encouraged, they support him but at first it was a shock to the parents. So sometimes when you're working with teenagers and college students and they feel a call to ministry and they go home and maybe they get, their parents aren't that excited about it. So sometimes not only are you discipling those students, but you almost have to disciple those parents in that calling too. Yeah.
0: that That's really good. Yeah. I, I definitely have seen that as well. Just the mindset of, uh, and sometimes it's like, it's maybe not even a opposition to it. It's just belittling the call. Um, yeah, it's like, oh well, yeah, he he's yeah. come home for the past three summers and said that, uh, <laughs> yeah. but but yeah. then he goes to school and like he's yeah. a, he's a different person, kind of yeah. thing like that. And it's like, well, yeah. what are you doing in that process? <laughs> like, yeah, what are you doing to help that. him yeah. grow? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, um, yeah, or so, they'll
1: have like, oh well, hey, that's cool. But you should still go get, you know, you should still go get a business degree so that you have a get fallback plan. For you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not saying that's bad if you go, hey, well, I, I want to be, a, you know, I want to live on mission in the business world and, and do like marketplace ministries. Hey, praise the Lord. That's great. Um, but one thing we want to remind ourselves is like, we don't have fallback plans. This is kind of a burn the ship's calling. God's calling us to go all in and to go forward and not turn back, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And so you said, like like we all know, there's a universal calling to ministry where everybody is called to spread the gospel. Yep. But then we have that specific quality for leaders that are equipping the saints to do ministry. And so is there anything specifically in that um, leadership role that you're looking for in people that might be called to that ministry? Um, and that could be from students to adults i mean is there is there particular things is it is yeah. it just a gut feeling that you kind of feel the spirits kind of pulling you towards that person how does that work
1: yeah yeah you know i think a great really guideline you know not that they may maybe meet the full qualities right then and there but man i think the list that god's given us in his word and timothy and in titus uh of really the quality or the qualifications to be elders um, is is a great guideline, you know. Now, and even in in young ladies, now you know I I hold a, a particular view of like you know what, you know of I think the role of elder or the role of senior pastor lead pastor is is set aside for males, but I'm saying that quality of what you should see in leaders uh, you can even use for young girls who feel called to ministry, you know, leadership, and and they have a huge role in a in an important role in the kingdom of God. But I think that's a great list that you can go to go, hey, really all Christians should aspire to these, whether you have the office of elder or pastor or not, um, we should all have these qualities um, in our life. And so I think using that is a great tool, as well as the qualities um, and characteristics and the guidelines already given in scripture. Um, on a practical level, uh, you know, I think what you look for is this Deep love for Jesus, this deep love for the bride of Christ, this deep love for the church, um, this mentality of, of loving to serve already. Um, you know, We're not looking to go, okay, hey, well, once you have this title, then that'll motivate you to serve. No, no, no. You're a follower of Jesus, so, so be serving already. And so sometimes I say uh, some of those qualities you're looking for is maybe that tap of the shoulder to go. And I call it the tap of the shoulder, meaning they're already doing it with their lifestyle, right? They're already loving Jesus. They're already loving the church. They're already serving people. They're already sharing the gospel on a regular basis. And there's those qualities in their life and where maybe it's tap on the shoulder going, hey, you're already doing this. Do you feel like God's calling you to do this for the rest of your life? Um, And so those things as well, you know, Um, and then like they may be extremely immature, extremely raw, and maybe we wouldn't see those things initially on the outside, but we don't know what God's doing in their heart. So I think that's why you still have to give this broad draw the net invitation to a calling of ministry on a regular basis as well. Um, Because if whenever I started following Jesus, I definitely wouldn't have been probably a candidate for ministry leadership, but God had other plans, you know? Um, And so, yeah, so I think those biblical qualifications are very clear in scripture. I think go ahead and look for those and really encourage students to head that, that way and aspire Um, to live that as a lifestyle anyway Um, and then yeah and then is there this love for Jesus is there this love for the church serving is there this love for them to tell others about Jesus Um, and is there already a a sense in them and maybe they're stumbling through it because they're young but are they duplicating themselves are they making disciples are they wanting to do that Um, so those are things that I tend to look for.
0: No. And so I guess the other side of that question is, are there any downsides or things to avoid that you've picked up as you start doing these conversations? Like, is there, you talked about the red flag moment with like the, my dad says I'm going to be the next Matt Chandler kind of thing like that. Is there anything specifically in that regard that you're like, Whoa, Hey, hold on. I need to address that real quick. Um, yeah, that you particularly look for.
1: Yeah. that, well? and And I think, and, and that's probably always been a thing of that kind of trying to shoot for stardom to go, hey, um, this is a, a call to serve. This isn't a call to stardom. You know, like even the goal one day, right, is to stand before Jesus and he'll well done, good and faithful servant. He's not going to say well done, good and faithful influencer or well done, good and faithful celebrity. You know, well done, good and faithful pastor. He's not going to say that. He's going to say well done, good, and faithful servant. And so I think especially on the kind of that side of it with social media, I think social media has like created a lot, you know, to go, oh, man, I want that blue check or I want that large following or I want that big stage. And I think when you sense that in young people, um, I would really help kind of hone that to go, hey, let's make sh- the Lord may do that in your life that that may happen. But that's not the goal. The goal is to walk deeply with Jesus and to love people And to tell people about Jesus and to make disciples. Now, the platform and all that, the font, whatever, the Lord will work all that out. But that's not the goal. The goal is obedience. And so, yeah, I I would say that kind of stardom mindset, you know, whether that's in there themselves or if that was motivated by social media or if that's their parents or grandparents. is. I, I think that's a red flag if they're shooting for stardom. Um, I think another red flag is probably a lack of commitment. Um, And so, you know, if you have a student that goes, hey, I feel God's calling me to ministry or I feel God's calling me to missions um, and you go, well, we see you about once every three months. I would ask about that. You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to lead the body of Christ when you're never around the body of Christ, you know? Um, And so um, I would ask about that. And sometimes I know with young people, maybe a, a junior high student or, If they don't have their license, a lot of that's out of their control because they're depending on their parents to get them there, but I would at least investigate it, I would at least sit down with them and go hey you feel God's calling you in ministry leadership that's awesome I want to help you in that I want to disciple you in that I want to walk you in that, but you're never here, or you're rarely here, why is that. And now they may give you a legitimate reason why that is. And then maybe you can help, you know, fix that by, you know, providing a ride for them or whatever. Um, But if they're like, oh, I got this and I got this and I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. To me, what that's saying is, hey, all of those other things take priority over gathering with believers and being a part of a local church. So how are you going to help lead a local church when the local church is about the 20th thing on your priority list? So those are those are typically two quick red flags I think you can find in young people, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with both of those. And so as we're kind of getting closer to wrapping up here, the last question topic-wise, for the pastors uh, or student pastors that might see this as part of their ministry that's a weakness, what would you recommend that they start with?
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say, I know it sounds so Sunday schoolish. Um, but, uh, I would just say, start with prayer. Cause that's what Jesus did. You know, I love, um, you know, Matthew nine, we all know those verses, Matthew nine, 37, 38. Uh, and that's the one where, you know, Jesus looks upon, you know, with compassion and he says, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. So that's exactly what we're talking about and calling out the call is is we're calling out more workers. We're calling out more leaders because the, the harvest is plentiful, especially with Gen Z. Um, you know, when you got only about 20%, Of the 72 million Gen Zers who live in the United States, only about 20% are connected to the local church. Um, So that means you got about 57.6 million Gen Zers who are spiritually lost or not connected to the local church. That's a big harvest. That's a big mission field, you know? And so we say the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So Jesus says that. um, But then in verse 38, he says, therefore, he doesn't say write a book. You know, I wrote a book. He says, he doesn't say write a book. He doesn't say start an initiative. He didn't say, hey, start a new plan or pipeline. He says, therefore, pray. That was his first thing. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers in the harvest. So here's what we believe, that the workers that will be sent to the harvest are currently in the harvest. And we got to call them out. We got to equip them, disciple them to send them back into the harvest um, to raise up more. And so I would just say, start with prayer. Yeah, start with prayer. Plead with the Lord of the harvest. Lord, raise up more ministry leaders. God, call out the next generation of ministry leaders. We want to be a part of that calling. Um, God, call them out, and then God, empower us and equip us um, to empower and equip them and disciple them to be ministry leaders. So I would start with prayer, like, you know, uh, and and I look back and go, how often was I praying for God to call out the called here? How often was I praying and asking the Lord to call out and raise up ministry leaders? Um, how often was I praying with the Lord to give me eyes to see whom He's calling, and a heart and a plan to disciple them? So yeah, I, I'd say start with prayer, um, and then I would say get back to extending invitations and giving. What what is the on ramps in your ministry for when do, God does call them? for them to understand that calling and to exercise that calling and to be disciple that calling. So I think we got to get back to extending invitations. We have not because we asked not. So number one, pray, extend invitations. Um, and then I would say, hey, start just sharing your testimony of how God's called you to ministry leadership on a regular basis. Let those students hear that um, a lot. Let them hear it a lot because there are there is power in stories. We know that, especially with Gen Zs. So share your story and share it often. Uh, the fourth thing I would say is, yeah, provide opportunities for them to serve because sometimes God reveals himself and reveals his calling through serving. Um, and then the fifth thing I would say is train all of your current leaders uh, to look for other leaders and to multiply themselves. And, and Brent, I, and especially in closing, I, I really want to hit this because I think it's so relevant is, you know, we hear all the time that there's a shortage of young leaders, you know, there's a shortage of young Um, you know, men and women leaders who are pouring into the next generation. So, like, I get probably two to three calls a week from churches looking for young leaders, um, looking for youth pastors or college pastors, looking for women's ministers, looking for, um, you know, discipleship leaders. I get that two to three times a week. And here's typically what we do, Brent is that um, usually I'll get like a mega church or a multi-site church pastor call me and I'll just be honest, I'll be wrong with it. Usually they all go the same way. It's like, hey, Shane, I'm looking for a stud. I'm looking for a rock star. And what they mean that, by that is they're probably looking for a leader at a church a little smaller than them that's doing a really good job. They're crushing. So what they want to do is they want to headhunt and hire that person, right? So they headhunt, they hire that person. Well, now That church who's just lost their leader, they're looking for someone, so they do the same thing. They go find a church a little smaller than them of a person doing a good job. Now they hire that person. Well, now this church is looking, so they go do the same thing and hire somebody else. Well, now this church is looking, so they do the same thing, go hire someone else. And basically what we do is we're just shuffling around shepherds and we're not raising up new ones. I'm saying we got to get back to raising up new ones. We got to raise up more. And so I would encourage like, hey, equip your leaders to basically go, hey, um, like basically call out and start discipling someone who's going to take your job one day. That's the mindset, whether they do or not, at least have that mindset that you're really working yourself out of position. You're working yourself out of a job that way, if the Lord does call you to go be a a pastor or a church manager, God calls you to go be a women's minister, or God calls you to go be a, a group leader, or God calls you to go be a youth pastor or a youth leader at another church. That's okay, because God does move his shepherds around sometimes. That's okay. Well, at least your replacement, or at least there's people within that ministry already that the church can raise up, you know, whether they choose or not, at least that person's already there. But if the Lord leads you where you're at for 30 years, then what you're doing is you're raising up leaders that you can go bless the body of Christ with everywhere else and send them out, or you're just expanding yeah. your ministry force that's there at the local church. So I would say the fifth thing would be train your leaders to look for other leaders and multiply themselves. Yeah,
0: definitely. No, that's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Great advice. Um, And honestly, it's something that we all need to kind of, have a mindset to do. Um, I know sometimes we get so caught up in the fact of everything else that comes in ministry of like, oh, well, we have to have this many people to keep the doors open and we mm-hmm. have to have this much money to like keep my job and all this other stuff. Sometimes we get so trapped in the logistics in the administration side of it that we forget the purpose of why we're doing it, which yeah, is to bring sure. people to Jesus and to raise new leaders. Yeah. Um, And so great, great stuff. Um, Last thing, do you have any extra resources that you'd uh, point them to? Obviously, in the show notes for this episode, um, we will put um, your book, which, like we said, is coming out um, in this is actually going to be next Thursday's episode, nice. uh, so it'll be coming out a week from now. Yeah. Um, And then also um, we'll put in the calling out the called dot um, com nice. uh, website as well for resources. So you can check that out and see what Shane has done. But Shane, any other resources that might be yours, might not be yours that yeah. would go into this conversation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, our team at the North American Mission Board that I lead lead, uh, we have a website, just gensend.org, just G-E-N, and then send, S-E-N-D.org, gensend.org. And the mindset is uh, that it would be that Gen Z would be a generation sent to know Jesus, make Jesus known. So there, it's a just a one-stop shop where you'll find everything. We have a podcast as well called Next Gen Mission. It's really the mindset is how do we Help the next generation be the right now church um and so there we have podcasts there we have all kind of free video curriculum uh we do webinars and events we also provide uh, coaching for next gen leaders so for collegiate leaders and youth pastors and youth leaders we provide uh, free coaching as well um, and then we also provide uh, short-term mission trips um, and then longer mission trips over the summer to go serve with church plants or church planters or, sin, or, or missionaries um, in metropolitan cities all over the nation. So you can find about, uh, out about all those things at gensin.org.
0: Okay. And then one of the other things that I wanted to kind of highlight just because I've seen these a few times now, um, and I haven't had too much of a chance to hop in on one and I look on, I look forward to hopping on one here in the next couple of weeks. Um, you do a kind of a zoom call that's like, can I say that or something to that nature? Um, what is that and how can youth pastors do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we do two of those. We do two separate kind of ones. We did, we have one, uh, At least one or two a semester just webinars. Um, So yesterday we did a webinar with Jonathan Pakluda or JP. Um, A lot of people know him from leading the porch at Watermark for years, um, but now as a pastor in Harris Creek. So yesterday we did a fun zoom just called Can Can We Talk About That? And it's how to navigate cultural hot button issues in a biblical way and helping Gen Z navigate those things. Um, So we do those on a regular basis. Um, Also, we record those and put those lives or put those out. So we'll put that one out soon, but you can also join those live. And so we'll advertise those. And then uh, Clayton King and I do a coaching network for youth pastors. Um, And we're currently um, coaching 200 youth pastors. And so we'll do some online Zoom meetings where we cover like the just the practical side of ministry. You know, I think a lot of times, even if you've been to Bible college or seminary, you may go, hey, well, I know I have good. Doctor, now I've theology. I can write a sermon, but sometimes I don't know the, how to do some practical side of ministry. How do I navigate conflict? Uh, how do I work with parents? How do I raise up more leaders? How do I equip uh, our volunteers? Uh, How do I give an effective gospel invitation with integrity? Um, So we cover all the practical side of ministries. So you can find out more about that at just youthleadercoachingnetwork.com. It's real long, just spelled out youthleadercoachingnetwork.com. And what we do is we do those online. And then twice a year, we actually gather in person at our building in Alpharetta, Georgia, Um, where we just spend two days, Clayton and I spend two days with the youth leaders just pouring into them. And what's great about that is because of the giving of uh, so many Southern Baptist churches, all you have to do is get yourself there. And after that, we take care of everything else, the food, the hotel, the swag, the resources. And it's just two days of coaching um, with Clayton and I. So yeah, check that out at youthleadercoachingnetwork.com. I tell you, Brent, it's become one of my favorite things to do. And this goes back to what we've been talking about you know, for the last 45 minutes or so is I really believe this healthy leaders are more apt to lead healthy ministries. And so we just want to help equip, uh, youth pastors and college pastors to be healthy leaders. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And this, ironically, this goes so hand in hand with the, uh, number of different lessons or number of different episodes that we have coming down the pipe. So, which is, I'm excited about, Um, But it's a great topic. And it's something that we really, really need to kind of have a focus on. And so lastly, um, how can people connect with you on social media? Where can they find you? I'm gonna put Shane Pruitt, uh, your website. I'll Mm -hmm. put that in uh, the show notes as well, shanepruitt.com. But how Mm -hmm. else can they reach you on social media and everything else?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. On Instagram, Twitter, um, TikTok, it's just Shane uh, underscore Pruitt, P R U I T T 78. And then on Facebook, it's just Shane Pruitt. So yeah, uh, love to connect with you on there. I put out a lot of resources, videos, just statements, quotes uh, on there as well. And then anything that we do, like as a new resource or an event that um, you can be a part of, I always post
0: those on my social media as well. So
1: yeah, yeah. Follow me on those channels just to, uh, yeah, get a hold of some of those resources. Yeah.
0: Awesome, man. Well, Shane, it's been a privilege. It's uh, great to have you on the show. Thanks for your heart for what you do. Uh, And I am hoping that the youth pastors that hear this episode are encouraged by what you've had to say. Um, And in that regard, that's all we have for this show. Um, did you know that you can now support our podcast by becoming a member of our Patreon? You can go to patreon.com slash talk men, and you can check out how to sponsor our show as well as the different perks that come from being a member. Um, if you can't support us financially, that's totally fine. And I, I realistically, we really don't, um, care. Uh, we want you to be active listeners and that's all we can ask for. Um, you can help us to get the podcast out to the greater student ministry audience uh, by sharing this with your friends. If there's an episode that sticks out to you, maybe Shane said some amazing things like he did in this episode, you can tag your friend, tag this episode and tag us at talk student men. So we can be a part of the conversation. And then finally, just like Shane, if you'd like to be a, if you'd like to be a guest on this show in the future. Um, we'd love to set that up. And so you can reach out to us on social media or send us an email podcast at org, And we'd love to set up a time that you can come on the show and talk to us. Uh, man, Shane, this conversation was awesome. Such a great topic, such an awesome uh, person, I have followed you for a while now. Love what you do uh, for not only next generation, uh, but for the kingdom. Um, you definitely have a extended reach, um, and you are one of those that has made it to a higher platform. And man, you you definitely lead that well. Um, so, uh-huh. from youth pastors, thank you for what you do. Um, And like I said, we hope that this is a uh, conversation that many can listen to and um, find great insight from. Because, uh, man, what an episode chock full of wisdom. um, And we can't wait for people to hear it.
1: Thanks, Brent. Thanks for having me on, man. It's true honor and, man, all glory to God. Thank you.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, we hope that you have a great week and we will hope to see you next week.